not only is it precious to have a healthy body that can be in retreat, but it's also precious to have a healthy body that can stay in retreat. Many, many, not, actually not, not that uncommon, but people go into retreat and uh, get sick while in retreat because lots of stuff come up, but also the natural part. So it's also very precious to be able to get through a retreat. So. I will awaken quickly for the sake of all sentient beings and for all beings' wisdom, compassion, and non-clinging awareness. So I'd like to uh, make an attempt this morning to uh, finish the section on the human realm. So I'll read a little bit quickly and then a little bit slowly and read a little bit quickly and a little bit slowly. Do you have any any burning burning questions this morning? Anything that's pertinent and succinct and to the point? Yes. I'd just like to thank you for the evening slideshow and of the little tiny animals. Sure. And the and last night, it's been a very um, complete and very humbling experience to realize there's a lot more than just us. Oh, that's good. Thank you. Lovely. Lovely. Happy to do that. If I had, uh, if there was, it'd be lovely, infinite oodles of more time mm-hmm. with you. Um, and many more hours in the day. So if you could make 48 or 54 hour days, that'd be marvelous. Um, love to share more of these things with you. It's fantastic, fantastic universe, astonishing universe. Amazing. So we shall continue where we left off. I want to say um, a few words about the. Uh, um, you'll see in uh, the book uh, of Rinpoche on the uh, on the womb um, studies, womb exploration, some exercises in the back. You can you can you can do those. Those are those are publicly available. But just to realize that uh, in the course of a day of meditation, by relaxing and by being bright and alert, you're really essentially allowing the these deep uh, organism. Um, conditioning to release. So a lot of what you're feeling is if you're slowed down and you're really, really bright and clear, uh, you allow those untwistings to happen. You don't even, you don't really have, you don't have to know the story behind it. There is no story behind it. Uh, Occasionally you'll have recall, but if it's really real recall, uh, there won't be any you there. There's just an organism experiencing um, sensation. It's just the way it is. Or lights, or things like this. Very either beatific, or very uncomfortable. So some of the uncomfortable you're feeling, uh, stop saying it's you. Stop saying it's me. Just it's the organism untwisting itself. And I'm really happy if you do. And then times you'll have some lovely blissful experiences, and that's also the recollection and the 
So a lot of it's from the from the womb. Um, I'm not absolutely uh, personally not absolutely uh, convinced that's the entire story. That, that's that with my experience, just sharing my experience. Um, and there is a certain uh, because of Namjoon Pichet's training and so on, a certain Freudian psychotherapeutic bent, which we've had debates about personally between him and I, which of some of it I would reinterpret and say it's from different places. And later on he, he would sometimes agree with me and, and say, yep, yep, I agree. So you have to sort out what is um, very, very high view, which just doesn't shift, <laughs> and what are explanations for various things, which you can use a psychoanalytic framework, you can use a biological framework, you can use a biochemistry framework and so on as more there's more information to explain things but the point is being suffer and they have to unwind and it doesn't matter what the story is they have to unwind the more liberation the better and the liberation is not demonstrated by uh, the stories you tell but it's the it's the ability to um, unravel um, uh, your being and other beings into freedom so it's, it's quite quite straightforward that way Let me continue where I start off. Others, uh, so, some stay eight, nine, or ten months. Others are indefinite, and some even stay for 60 years. For the first week after the child is conceived, the embryo, the combination of the bodily organs, uh, read this already, we'll do it again, and the consciousness experiences the inconceivable suffering of being cooked and fried in a hot kettle. At that time, it's called oval shape because it looks like curd, which it does, actually. It's a little squiggle. Uh, maybe uh, curd or little little droplet of snot, something like that. Yeah. Yeah, I mean that's that's a good description if you don't have other descriptions. Yeah. You, you you always have to remember. I, I find these books like history texts too. Not not just because the Dharma is universal and crosses all times, but but uh, when I read it, I also pick up because I I've studied a lot. I've studied a fair bit of history. And I love history. I pick up a lot of history out of this in terms of that was the cultural time. So you always have to remember, oh, curd, but that's, that may be a major part of the diet, you know, it's, it's, it's curds, and certainly Indian, it's very Indian. Uh, so uh, what's your description? Curds. If you live in a different country, you would call it something else, something that you have to describe that little, um, uh, little, a little blot of, of cells. During the second week, the all-touching wind arises from the mother's womb when it touches the embryo the four elements manifest at that time is called oblong shape because it looks like a hard yogurt or butter maybe a little more yellow and you see the all-touching wind arises from the mother's womb so it's it's a um, inflowing uh, chemical change third week the activating wind arises in the mother's womb when that reaches the embryo the four elements are more strongly manifested. At that time, it's called a lump because its shape is like an iron spoon or an ant's egg. Likewise, in the seventh week, clasping wind occurs in the womb. When that wind touches the embryo, two arms and two legs appear. At that time, there's great suffering as if a powerful person were pulling the limbs and another person were whipping it with a stick. Likewise, in the, seventh, in the eleventh week, the appearance of openings, winds, occurs in the mother's womb. When that wind touches the baby, the nine openings appear. At that time, there's a, there's great suffering, as if a finger was probing a new open wound. By the way, um, 
in terms of uh, uh, embryonic development, the uh, sequences in terms of understanding uh, the details of what's happening at the cellular level is now being worked out. So uh, the extraordinary detail today that you can look up in, a, in an embryology text is, is mind-boggling. This is a hot field. Lots of people are being, there's lots of research money in this in tr because of um, congenital defects and there's lots of money behind it. And, and uh, not just pharmaceutical, but medical science, but uh, chemical changes that, that uh, tell the certain heart muscles when to do things. Chemical signaling that allows the uh, thyroid to begin secreting. So all these are being mapped out. Where cells go, even where cells go, even where neurons flow, and the signaling that they pick up and where they go. This is extremely uh, sophisticated research today. And it takes very sophisticated microscopes to do this, just like you know, like the one I have, the one that you're using. It's, 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 it's live dyes that get in there, so you can actually see tra trackers, uh, antibody trackers that link onto certain molecules and fluoresce under certain wavelengths, so they can actually trace it. And where those nerves go and what develops when. Fantastic. There are still more sufferings. When the mother eats unbalanced food, such as something cold, the baby will experience the suffering of being thrown into ice water. Likewise, when the mother eats hot food or sour food and so forth, the baby will experience sufferings. If the mother eats a lot of food, the baby will experience the pain of being crushed between rocks. When the mother eats little food, the baby will experience the suffering of being dangled in the sky. When the mother walks harshly or jumps or is beaten, then the baby experiences the suffering of rolling down a mountain. So there's a lot of, a lot of um, cultural material in there. When the mother's beaten, quite something, eh? Mother's being beaten. Hmm. When the mother has frequent sexual activities, the baby experiences the suffering of being whipped by thorns. Uh, not, not completely discounting this particular view. You hear my language? Not completely discounting it. Uh, realize too that the, that the, uh, as probably some of you know who've had children, I have not, but um, maybe find out certain ways. Uh, the unity of the fetus and the mother are one. There's not there's not two bodies here. The um, we keep thinking we always use the words fetus and mother, but really it should be fetus mother, fetus mother, mother mother fetus. Uh, this is this is uh, something that we do a lot, and they do a lot which is to separate things that actually aren't separate. Important. So what the mother chemically, physically, physiologically goes through and emotionally goes through, uh, of course, is, um, uh, is a wash. The baby is a wash with that. Is it? There's a wash, wash in that. At, 37, at the 37th week, it, be, it will become conscious of the womb's filth and stench of darkness and imprisonment. It will feel so completely sad 
that it will wish to escape. Mm-hmm. Maybe. Uh, in the 38th week, the flower gathering wind will occur in the mother's womb. When that touches the baby, it shifts position so that it faces the mouth of the womb. At that time, there is great suffering as if caught in an iron machine. So in this um, third stage, what, what uh, Stanislav Grof and others, and I'm going to call the third stage of the womb, there is more, there, there are disturbances of the womb that shock the baby out of this blissful, um, quiet bathing. And those are quite strong and, and shocking. And then the 38th week, flower gathering wind will occur uh, in the mother's womb. When that touches the baby, it shifts position so that it faces the mouth of the womb. At that time, there is great suffering, as if caught in an iron machine. Thus, during the long period in the womb, the baby feels heat as if being cooked in a very hot vessel and is touched by the 28 different winds. From being an oval shape until the completion of the whole body, it is developed by the essence of the mother's blood and so forth. Thus, the entering of the womb sutra says, quote, First, the oval shape will change into the fleshy oblong. From the fleshy oblong, it becomes the lump shape, and the lump becomes hard. By changing the solid shape, the head and four limbs appear. Then the bones grow and complete the body. This is all caused by karma, all caused by, by mental winds, mental intent. So... Uh, that's that's the most important thing to understand. But the, babe, the 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 fetus is not thinking, but it's still carrying uh, imprints of karmic proclivities. So, uh, anybody a mother here? Anybody have or father, children? Have you ever wondered why the child has a mind of its own? Kind of comes out of the womb, kind of, yeah. You go, where's that coming from? Well, each, each being comes in the world not as a fresh, um, uncharted, open realm, uh, but actually with all kinds of imprints uh, from the mother, from the father, uh, from all kinds of, of womb conditioning, but also carrying uh, an incredible stream of, of imprinting that's going to, to ripen and is ripening. So this is, this is important to understand. Yes, please. You can do it. It's like a it's time for a station break. <laughs> station break. And, uh, good, up to 30. Okay. We got a chance. Maybe you can remind me there, Raphael, or, or picture, picking up a um, LED. Uh, light for this, and then last for probably three or four or five hours. Actually, they're, very, they're getting better and better. LED lights, actually, even the colors are reasonable to use. I'm sort of just beginning to experiment with them now. And if we go online, I think we can find some sites where the prices are actually even reasonable. After that, the facing down wind occurs. When that touches a child, it will, get, it will start to be born. Its two hands will stretch out. At that time, there is great suffering, as if being drawn uh, into a net of iron wires. It 
Some die in the womb, sometimes the mother and baby die together. When a baby is born, it falls on the ground. So, so this, is, this is worth studying historically. Uh, the, you, I think all of you know, yes? The uh, trials and tribulations of uh, motherhood uh, and having children was up until recently, and is many places in the world, a very dicey affair. And often accompanied by a lot of suffering. Loss of babies, uh, mothers dying, uh, miscarriages, stillbirths, uh, all, all kinds of, of difficulties. So um, to, for a mother to survive, uh, that's pretty good. For children to survive into um, a teenagehood, that's really good. So understand a lot of suffering and, and the ways in which um, children were born. There's a very romantic view of, 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 of life by Westerners, of the primitive time and the primitive places. But we, we, don't, uh, we don't realize and we don't know about the awful disease. I was reading a, um, a study, a uh, popular study, but written by the person, an anthropologist who lived among a, a last remaining group in Papua New Guinea. Uh, a few families left living. And uh, this anthropologist, they came up there to help them and various things. But it was hell. Infections and difficulties and... Uh, women dying, infections, small population left, and they just wanted to get out. They wanted, they wanted the end. Like they just wanted, to, like this group was living in a very traditional way, and uh, hunting grounds disappearing, and um, infections, and disease, and malaria, and, and um, they had to actually bring them out to save the population of the tribe. It was dying. It was actually going to go extinct. So they, they actually had to pull them out and, uh, out of their traditional area. Quite something. Eh? So uh, a group going extinct, and the uh, literally, it's, it's a very good description. The hell they were going through, really, really difficult. Just trying to start, just trying to hang on as a small population, very difficult. When it is washed. There is such suffering, like having its skin pulled off and then being scratched against a wall. Consider that long length of time, that kind of suffering and pain, that kind of constriction, darkness, and filth. You'll see this word filth used a lot. It comes uh, certainly from a very ancient monastic tradition and Indian tradition of, of the body being uh, filthy. Hmm? Of course, in the uh, uh, Tantra tradition... There's, there's no filth at all. This is mental. So, so realize, too, this is a view. When we go a bit further, you'll see a view of life that is um, a view, as you've read, yes? That is um, about the uh, ugliness and the suffering of the body, but uh, change the mind state. This is very important. It has a lot to do with all the realms. So, for instance, right now, and I've, I've mentioned this before, it's, it's worth saying it again and again and again. If you're in the human realm and you see the universe a certain way, that's how the universe appears to you. You get used to it. So we see the universe in a, in a certain way because of the way we've been conditioned and the way our mind states are. If those mind states get, get turned in a certain way, like a, a psychotic or a schizophrenic, so on. 
the, the universe looks, the world looks very different. You could be looking out here and seeing burning, uh, a burning forest all the time. You, that's what you would see. You'd be in a hell realm on earth. So when they talk about these different realms, that realm can be right here. You would not see the being because they're in a mental, more mental fine body. You wouldn't see that. But what appears to them is very different than what appears to you. So always remember that what's out there is a construction of mind. So there's a tree, but the tree can appear to any kind of creature in a different way depending on how the senses are built, how the nervous system is designed, the genetics, if you wish, and uh, the conditioning and enculturation of a being. This is very important to understand. So uh, rebirth has to do with the mental imprinting, which forms a being that sees the universe in a certain way. And the way it sees and tastes and touches the universe can be absolute, uh, 100 years of absolute hell. Sheer hell. Right? At the same time, a being living on this planet, for one person's filth, is another being's glory. So this is why it says in the ancient text, maybe in the Buddha that said this, uh, only at the time of the Buddha, only an arahat, a fully, fully personally, fully purified being, can see the beauty in a piece of shit, in a piece of dung. Most people get kicking. Oh, we're not kicking, but ugh, ugh, it's a piece of turd. Yes, but it's beautiful. If you and uh, if you could study it and understand it, there's a whole ecological world in that. Uh, in that turn, and it's important for all all life. So, this is this is something that you should appreciate over and over and over again. It's all to do with mental imprinting, all to do with how we see. And when you are born and raised in a certain way, you don't know that the way you experience the world is your own personal video. It's too close. It's just too close. This is the way it is. Just like someone going. Um, being raised or, or has the feeling that all, um, all criminals should be incarcerated. Do you know what I mean? Or, or th this sort of maybe a view all, or, or a liberal view, which is all, liberal, all, all, all criminals need to be um, uh, given much, much more scope of love and kindness and, you know, they all have the potential to be nice and, you know, this, this sort of thing. So these views... Uh, are so deeply ingrained, and they're in the brain. You know, for instance, as, as I told you, it's very hard to change political parties. If you've been raised conservative, and your brain is wired conservative towards safety and and uh, conservative ways, it's very, very unlikely that you will vote for a Democrat or a liberal or an NDP. So there's only a little bit of a of a of a very narrow margin for voting in our in, in the United States and Canada to swing uh, a, a very small percentage of people that are that are on the edge that can go back both ways. Most people are fixed. If you're if you're conservative, you vote conservative. If you're an NDP and you grew up that way, that's the way it's going to be. Very few people can change. Did you understand? And that's the way the world is. All criminals should be treated harshly. All criminals should be treated with much more affection and much more kindness and many more programs to help them and much more education. Others would say, no, kill them all.
is kill them all. One person in Canada right now, a mayor, is saying uh, we should invoke laws that allow anybody with a criminal or certain um, crimes or anything like that, they shouldn't be allowed in the city of Toronto at all. They can't actually come into the city. They're not, they would be picked up by the police and, and taken in. Well, you can see how far that law will go because that could be applied to everybody. You can come in, you can't go in, so on. But obviously it's not really going to go anywhere. But, but that's a very conservative mind that says these criminals, all, all criminals, they should not even be allowed in our society. Hmm? So understand, that's the way they see the world. That's the way they see it. Okay, let's carry on. In, uh, to quote uh, from the letter of training, says, inconceivable stench and filth, constriction, darkness, to enter the, the mother's womb is like a hell. One has to endure inconceivable suffering. So if one realizes this, how can one think of entering into the mother's womb even once? Briefly, there are ten inconceivable sufferings of aging. One's body changes, one's hair changes, one's skin changes, one's complexion changes, one's ability changes, one's abilities change, one's dignity changes, one accumulation of merit changes, one's resistance to disease changes, one's mind changes, and the passage of time brings one close to death. Yes? All true. But it depends on the clinging. If you look at this society and the billions and billions of dollars spent around these issues, then they're absolutely right on. So it means that in Gampopa's time and a thousand years before that, the same preoccupations were there. People overly concerned about aging. What? Look at my hair. It's going gray and it's not as um, perky and nice anymore. Yes, and my body's getting bent over and uh, less, uh, you know, less short-term or more short-term memory or less short-term memory or, or I can't paint the same way with the same detailing or a little shaky hand maybe or can't quite see. You see? And this is a bad thing. But some, some attitude would be, oh, wait a minute, relax into that. Get, uh, get used to this is the process. I know some older people that uh, are losing their eyesight, but they can still paint better than most, most people can. They learn how to compensate and, and learn. So, By the way, this is the same culture that would take somebody with a um, split, was it, uh, not split lip, but hmm? cleft, cleft lip, as, as being um, uh, bad karma. Or poor eyesight, or maybe diseased eyes. It's just bad karma. They let them die. Let them, that's what it is. Someone brings them glasses, what are you doing that for? They're, they're bad. In the same, same, very similar to the uh, Italy, where a leper or a certain diseased people, it's just considered to be, they're sinned. So you don't touch them, you don't, you leave them alone. Let them, let them, uh, just let them go through their life because they, they, in their mental past, did something bad. Yeah? So remember, this is, this is the same um, tradition. Now, in detail. First, one's body changes, meaning that once your body was stable, straight, and firm, and that it changes to become crooked, dependent on a walking stick. Well, is always true? Not always. 
Well, you can get people, but but generally speaking, the body um, ages, yes. Yeah. And what happens if you cling to that? Terrible, terrible suffering. Totally preoccupied with your posture. Totally preoccupied with the aches and pains. Totally preoccupied with everything changing. Oh, oh no, oh no, oh no. And some don't. Some just take us as part of the aging process. One's hair changes, meaning that once your hair was shiny and black, and that it changes to gray hair and baldness and so forth. Who's preoccupied? Anybody? I didn't put my implants in today. My hair implants in. Was it Rogaine or something? And spray it or whatever, or put put the potion in there to get it to 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 grow back. But other are yes, a big industry yes. And now they figured out some of the genetics of, um, of hair loss. Uh, pretty soon we should be able to regrow our hair and have nice full heads of hair. Yeah, they're pretty close to that, uh, being able to do that. My God. <laughs> One skin changes means that once your skin was soft and smooth like Varanasi silk or fi- fine Chinese silk and that it changes to become thick, rough and wrinkled like a battered bangle. <laughs> one's complexion changes, yes. Means that once it was bright, like a newly opened lotus flower, and that it changes to become bluish and pale, like a faded flower. One's abilities change, means that once you had capability and were eager to do anything, uh, when that changes, strength is lost and you cannot undertake any effort by losing the strength of mind, you lose interest in any activities. By losing the power of the senses, you can no longer project objects well and make mistakes. So project objects uh, uh, means your senses are dim. Because the, the not the view, but the, the um, perspective here is that all, uh, all experience is a projection. Yeah? So the projection gets dimmer and gets feeble and, and, and so on. I have many comments here, but my, my major comment is, is this is a particular uh, view, but is um, uh, if you uh, even at this time, if you read carefully, you'll see uh, that um, it's completely due to clinging. So so if the clinging isn't there, then the uh, wrinkles can be seen as a, si- as a sign of uh, beautiful aging. It's all, all uh, just let's cut through, it's all to do with the same. Yes. But to, to highlight again, uh, for a being that is immersed in their self-reflective, possessive feeling, all change can be threatening. Yes? And uh, aging is threatening. And uh, don't, don't discount it, maybe for some of you, but don't discount it for the majority of the population that are utterly preoccupied with this. And I've met many that spend a lot of money on um, their looks, uh, using Botox, and uh, um, I understand that cosmetic surgery is an uh, ever-growing big field, and now not just among women, among men. Men, is, uh, especially corporate executives and so on, because if you're a certain height, 
um, like like Terry there, ideal white hair, um, certain height, certain build, certain looks, especially uh, less lines, less wrinkles, then there's a better chance of you being hired for a senior corporate um, position. So this this is all part of our of our culture and other other cultures. Uh, so when when they're talking about this as being as being a suffering, it is a great suffering for many. It's a tremendous suffering. Yeah. One's dignity changes means that once other people praised and respected you, when that changes, people look down on you, even if they are lower than you. Without reason, people dislike you, you are threatened by children, and you embarrass your children and grandchildren. Other cultures, and certainly in this uh, elders are given great respect. I've been in cultures where, the, where, where elders uh, are given tremendous respect by the young, and um, uh, they become the uh, prized receptacles of understanding and wisdom and, and all kinds of things. One's accumulation of merit changes means that the, all the wealth you have accumulated decreases. Now, this is merit based on wealth, based on money, based on jewels and gems and silver and gold, uh, houses and cattle, and so on. You're going to lose those. Doesn't matter how many, Ming, how many precious Ming vases you have, they will go. And in many places, they get stolen. And if they don't get stolen, the kids start looking at them very carefully. You cannot maintain body heat and cannot experience the taste of food. Hmm? Yep. Especially if you want to eat what you do not have, it is difficult to find someone who will provide it for you. Big concern of, of, uh, of uh, aging people. Where is the food going to come? Where is the money going to come? Yes. Traditionally, for instance, in China, traditionally uh, in China, the uh, children, right, would take care of the parents right, right to death. That was just normal, including living, uh, traditionally living with your parents. Today that's changing because of the industrialization of China. It's changing. Guess what one of the biggest businesses is in China right now? Retirement homes. Retirement homes. Unheard of. Absolutely unheard of. One of the biggest businesses. Uh, huge. Billions. Billions. Building retirement homes and uh, having uh, elderly or not so elderly people now actually going into retirement homes because their children are where? Working and raising, raising their own children. Just like, like here. Because of the economic change in society, it changes the entire culture view. And it can happen with 10 or 20, 30 years, just like that. Gone. All these ideals and all this, this our culture, gone out the window for what? When, when the economy of a culture changes, religion changes, uh, all aspects of culture uh, change across the board. And I'm not just talking about modern culture, all through the world. Uh, as soon as the economy changes, food sources change. Uh, you'll, you'll see the entire fabric of society changes. Um, even though my graduate work in anthropology was all about uh, uh, religion, religious structures, meditation, and the brain, uh, oddly enough, I, I discounted a lot of that influence on, on culture change. Most to me, I'm a very materialistic um, anthropologist that way. 
I, I hold from what I've seen and experienced, most culture change happens because of money. Finances and food. Well, traditionally now it's money, but uh, in past, food. Food and power over food and access to food, which is wealth, is what actually shapes society. That's the primary driver. Other people, oh, it's spiritual, it's spiritual needs. No, not at all. One's resistance to disease changes, oh yes, means that you are stricken by the sickness of old age, which is the worst disease because it draws all the other sicknesses and you suffer. Yes? You can have people uh, lingering and suffering from old age or it creeps up in the 50s or 60s, year after year, until you can look back uh, and say, well, that was a decade of being sick. That was, that was two decades of being sick, yes? In our society, yes. Hospitals filled with people who are there sometimes for years and years and years, in and out, in and out, in and out. Three months in, one month in, two weeks in, and decades of, of illness. One's mind changes means that you immediately forget whatever, immediately forget whatever you say or do and are confused. Mm -hmm. Can happen? Yes. The passage of time brings one closer to death means that breath becomes short and labored and you are closer to death as all the compound forms deteriorate. As the body deteriorates, the breath changes. Thus the noble profound representation, Sutra says, aging causes beauty to turn ugly. Age takes away dignity and ability. Old age robs away happiness and causes suffering. Old age causes death and takes away your complexion. There are limitless sufferings of sickness, but briefly, there are seven. Suffering of great pain. Suffering of harsh operations. Do you want to be operating these days? Have you seen the tools they use? Ever go, go to a museum and see the operating equipment of a traditional Tibetan doctor? You would go... I've read, I've read um, histories of yogis and different people caught, you know, up in mountain, mountain retreats and they come down with something and they realize, well, they probably need surgery by the time we get them to somebody who might know, they'll be dead. So they just stay, stay in retreat. Like it's too many days by, by um, horse. That's it, finished. Or, that's yeah, not worth it. <laughs> but it can be, quite, quite something. And so, so surgical instruments could save a life. Old age robs away happiness and causes suffering. Old age causes death and takes away your complexion. That must have been a pre pretty big preoccupation. Could you imagine the cosmetic companies doing well back then? They, they're, st they're still doing well. Eh? What would you say? $100 billion a year industry? Trillion dollars? In the perfume cosmetic industry? I don't know what it is. Probably a tr trillion dollars. Huge business. Huge business. They do genetics research, everything. They pay for huge studies uh, to do with um, money spent on complexion. Creams that don't work. Billions of dollars on creams that don't work. Maybe some do. Is there, I think there's a cream I've seen that advertises fetal. Is it human fetal or cow fetal cells mixed in with a cream? And you, hmm? Placenta. Placenta. 
placenta cream and you can rub that placenta cream on your, your skin. For youth, For youth, to make your skin more youth. Does it work? Some say it does. Some say it does, yes. And then you'll get the man of your dreams. <laughs> That's right. That's right. Watch what you wish for. <laughs> oh my goodness. There are limitless sufferings of sickness, but briefly there are seven. So we've, we've uh, let's, let's continue on here. Harsh operation, suffering of hot or bitter medication, suffering of being stopped from eating and drinking what one likes, suffering of, pleased, of pleasing doctors. These are doctors that come and say, you're doing just fine, or here's some more medication, or probably the whole type of obsequious doctor that, hmm, got another medication for you? Suffering of decreasing wealth. By the way, you know, he was a doctor, yes? So he's speaking from first-hand experience. Suffering of decreasing wealth and suffering of the fear of death. The noble, profound representation, Sutra says, tortured by the suffering of 100 diseases and of contracting them is like being a hungry ghost during a, a human life. I know people, of, I know them, this, I've seen this, who will spend two, three hours a day or more on the phone with their uh, buddies talking about their health issues and which hospital, and which doctor they've been to, what's wrong, what's going to happen, uh, about medical procedures. Uh, this, is, this is now quite a bit a part of certain societies to just spend most of one's time preoccupied about death and who's dying and um, uh, funerals. and uh, This is just total preoccupation. So... Um, we we can, I don't know what's going through your your brains at the moment. Maybe I have an idea, but to realize, we can look at this and go, this is pretty harsh. But actually, uh, it's not. This is a good part of what actually involves um, some Westerners, a lot of Westerners, all day long, as they get to a certain age. Health, 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 health. The noble, profound representation, Sutra says, tortured by the suffering of a hundred diseases and contracting them is like being a hungry ghost during a human life. End of quote. There are also limitless sufferings in death. The king of instruction, Sutra says, quote, Great king, likewise, when you are caught on the pointed stick of the lord of death, then you will be separated from arrogance. Your, 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 all your arrogance of being a king will go. No refuge, no protector, no support, and tortured by sickness. Your mouth will be dry, your face will change, you move your limbs, you cannot work, spittle, mucus, urine, and vomit will stick to your body, your breathing will be short, you'll be avoided by physicians. By the way, you know they, uh, in certain cultures, especially in the Himalayas and so on, they didn't bathe very much. And water is not so easy in short supply, so... Um, it's not like today, if you vomit, you may just go to your uh, bathroom and have a shower, or if you're firm enough to actually have a shower, or, yeah, get to a sink. Your breathing will be short, you will be avoided by physicians, and sleep in your last bed. The continuity of the samsaric life will stop. There will be great fright at the messengers of Yama, the god of death, or the... Um, the uh, emanation of death. 
the Lord of death, your breath will stop, and your mouth and nose will fall open. You will leave this world behind and proceed to the next one, transmigrating completely from one place to another. You will enter into the great darkness and fall off a great precipice, be carried by the great ocean, chased by the karmic wind, and will go into an unknown direction. You cannot divide your wealth when you cry, quote, Alas, mother, alas, father, alas, son, there is no refuge, no protector, no other support except the great king, Dharma. It's just saying, you don't have a support but Dharma. Quote, the suffering of separated, separating from loved ones, end of quote, means that when those to whom you are attached, your parents, children, relatives, and so forth, die, uh, there is limitless suffering and lamentation, mourning, crying, howling, and other expressions of sadness. Yes. I've been told by um, some parents who've lost their, lost their children, um, uh, either by... Um, sickness or by sudden death such as a bomb going off or a um, car accident that uh, for some parents uh, every day they think about it again and again and again they mourn the loss of their children again and again and again and again for a whole lifetime I know some people that when they lose a parent uh, that's that's uh, like a empty area of their of their heart for the rest of their life or a partner, yes. Sometimes, sometimes not. Howling and other expressions of sadness. The suffering of meeting with those who are not dear, so that quote, the suffering of meeting with those who are not dear, end of quote, refers to the limitless suffering of meeting with hated enemies, which results in fighting, quarreling, beating, and so forth, maybe even in the family. Yes? Quarreling for an entire life. Every family get-together, it's hell. Every family get-together, there's going to be some friction. And for some, the kids or the parents and the kids uh, fight about wealth or power, prestige, and family dynamics. I know some families where uh, mother and daughter don't talk for years. Uh, brothers don't talk. Sisters don't talk. Um, mother won't talk to the daughter. Mother won't talk to the son for years, maybe for the rest of life. So it's right on. It's not nothing different today. Other families, close, lovely, harmonious, but not always. Quarreling, beating, and so forth. Beatings? This may not be familiar with some of you. Yes? But the rate of family violence in North America, especially in the United States, is it one every 30 seconds? Family violence, something like every 30 seconds, there's an act of some sort of family abuse or violence. So why would it have changed? When I lived in the, in the Canadian Arctic, uh, it wasn't that uncommon for the guys, the, the men, to be beaten up by their wives. Somebody come in with a black eye and they'd say, what happened to you? Someone say, his wife beat him up again. Punched him out. Came in late, drunk, and wife punched him out. Nice, peaceful society. Walking home one day. Police cordoned off the whole street. What happened? 
your neighbor uh, took his rifle out, shot, him, sh shot the kids and shot himself. So uh, be careful about making too quick an appraisal and going, this is just to put the fear of God in you. Uh, I've lived in societies where Death is very close at hand, both suicide and um, killing, maybe. Including um, having students that were murderers. Every student I had in the Arctic, in the in arts and crafts program, just about had tales to tell of uh, family violence, of murder, of uh, constant rape, uh, drug abuse. Um, yeah, quite something. So don't, don't think it's just something that happens to our society. It's all, all over the world. You know, it's, it's, and you get this rosy idea of the Amazon tribes living in peace and harmony. And I've seen interviews where, where women and men have fled from the jungle into small communities and been interviewed, and they're fleeing from the, like, fleeing from the incessant battles going on between um, the different tribes and saying, that's it, I can't handle it anymore. I, just, I can't handle the battles. I can't handle being raped. I can't handle being beaten up. So just remember these rosy ideas of uh, primitive life when it was all uh, about community and getting along well together. Yeah. The last two sufferings, that of suffering of separating from loved ones and the suffering of meeting with those who are not dear, it says here in the last, the last two sufferings are easy to understand. Those are easy. Why? Probably very, you know, very common, very understandable. But the other ones, such as uh, losing beauty and these other things, they're not so understandable because they're so pervasive, they're so insidious. How many, how many times, you just ask yourself, how many times you check yourself in the mirror and see about how you're looking and are you aging and do you age well and um, the fear of, uh, of illness, the fear of illness um, about the possibility of getting sick or dying or being infirm, these, all these things, yes, all clingings, clingings, clingings and, and due to being a creature, uh, not the clinging, clinging is just a misapplication misapprehension of reality, but the, the, what a being has to go through, whether a bird or a lizard or a snake or a cow or a human, to have a body and to be an apparition in that body and have a consciousness that is making up stories about what it should be and how life should be is very, very difficult. It's hard. Hard, hard one. So that should bring about tremendous compassion uh, for you. 
no matter whether some of this is clouded by cultural view or monastic view and, and so on, right? The general principles of those sufferings are right on. And today we see billions, if not trillions of dollars spent to keep those anxieties and fear at bay. I think I've told you many times, some women who've come to me and said, I'm really, I really am worried. I'm anxious about aging and I'm I know I'm getting older and uh, all kinds of things associated with that. And I, I often, in past, have sent them to Melody Massey, who's now 90-some-odd years old. You go, you go visit my dear friend Melody, who's, who's old, wrinkled, and radiant, and bright, and awake. And if she can't remember where she put her glasses down, who cares? She's bright, awake, with it, there. This wonderful meeting... Um, near the end of his life, his Emmett Chobi Rinpoche, who was a great master of masters, teacher of teachers, uh, and uh, had given Namjur Rinpoche so many empowerments, including the Kala Chakra, personally, uh, bestowed on him the full Kala Chakra. And some of his students, many, many empowerments, many teachings, they got along very well. Rinpoche respected him as a, as a great, great teacher. And Rinpoche didn't, didn't give any brook to fools, shall we say. So it was very rare that he would do something like that. But, and Toby Rinpoche loved Namish Rinpoche. They, they loved each other. But I remember visiting him about three years or four years before he passed away and how he would lose his memory, but his mind was so clear. You know? He would sit all day uh, in his um, audience room, which I think was also where he slept, and his uh, sister would sit right over here, just like this, doing, doing mantras. And he'd be up on his throne, perfectly erect. And uh, I go to see him uh, for um, meetings. And it was lovely. His spittle would be, you know, he's like 80 some on you, and it spit out on you, and got wet. But his mind sparkled. And could he remember who you were from day to day? No. So his, his attendant, Shadra Mubashe, would say, That's Lama Yangdu. Oh, of course, and come back. Ah, yeah, student of Namjoon, yes, wonderful. Come here, come here, you know, for blessings. And he was lovely. But you could see, senile, but clear. And then when he'd start teaching, just spontaneously, you know, it would ask maybe something, or he'd, he'd just start on something, he'd look at me and go, and he'd launch into teaching. And my God, his mind was encyclopedic, just sharp as a whip, and could reach right into you and pull out the most incredible stuff about you but didn't really remember you from day to day. You have to remind it. Oh, yeah, I'm going to do this. So you see, but, but, but sparkling, radiant, I could just sat there all day long in his uh, quality of mind, no matter what he was doing. So as Tarshan once told me, he, he, he met him, or went to see him again uh, about two years later, just I think two years or a year, year and a half before he passed away. He said, that was a fantastic meeting because I got to see what enlightened senility is like. When a being doesn't, when a being isn't clinging at all, he doesn't care. Picks this up, oh, puts it down. It's going to give it to you, right? But forgets that he's going to give it to you, and just has a good chuckle. Oh, what was I doing? I don't know. (laughs) (laughs) And he doesn't care. So what? Everybody's looking at him like, are you gonna? Care. What was that for? Okay, fine. That's good. But 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 um, a, a, 
a clarity, a joy, a love, a love, a love that's so pervasive. Yes, so that that doesn't go, but the mind is going. But still teaching, still teaching strong. Gets up there, teaches, 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 gives empowerments, the whole thing. Beautiful. So it's one thing to uh, be born. It's another thing to uh, rejoice in the possibilities of what it's like when you don't cling to all these. Um, phantasms of culture and phantasms of, of the uh, conjuring mind. Yeah? Something like that. I think we'll leave it there. Any, any questions about that, about this human realm? There'll be more that will come out about the human realm, but then, then to this evening uh, we'll finish with the God, God uh, realms, and I'll go into more detail that's in the book actually give you a feeling for the different kinds of God, God-like realms and how they come about and how, if you're not careful, you could end up there. And the eons are very long, you know. I don't know if you know what an eon is, but I think an eon is about 3.4 3. or 4.3 um, billion years. And some of these beings get born from many, many eons. Yes? Earlier, uh, this morning you mentioned about Yes. To get a real feel for this, is you really have to come to terms with uh, dream dream yoga, the dreaming mind, and uh, a much deeper appreciation of the co- of the um, cognitive processes mm-hmm. by which the universe appears, your body appears. Like, like right now, if you stick a foot out or a hand out, there's a point where actually there's no, uh, there's no a model for that until it starts to appear. <laughs> so we are actually appearances in the mind. All of you are appearances in my mind. You're born as an appearance, you die as an appearance. If you can break free of that, then you have the ability to actually consciously take birth and to manifest um, uh, forms into different spaces. So, so this suffering uh, is about clinging to appearances of body and feelings that actually have no substantial reality. This is this is this is this is the degree of liberation that's that's that's, that's required for Buddhahood. And then the compassion is huge because the immensity of suffering over looking at things in a mirror that aren't actually there uh, is enormous. You cannot, take a look, you cannot see yourself in a mirror. You You cannot look at a mirror and actually see yourself. First of all, what is in the mirror is not a direct representation. It's quite different. That's, first of all, it's just a matter of physics. But But, so when you look at a mirror, you, you miss all kinds of things that are actually discrepancy. So when you look at your body, you look at wrinkles and so on, you're not looking at wrinkles, you're looking at the concept of wrinkles and the emotional content of wrinkles. Okay? Like looking at a painting. Oh, I don't like it. Someone says, that's beautiful, I love it. I'll give you, an example. I'll give you a story. You know the, you know the green vase in the corner of the living room? You know that right by the window? Underneath the um, Mary uh, uh, um, 
Print, Inuit Print. Uh, that's a Bill Boyd. You probably recognize it as a Bill Boyd. And uh, so I took last year, or the year before, um, some friends and students uh, to see Bill. And uh, Bill said, well, you know, I said, Bill, can we see your studio? And he said, sure, come on in. So he took a tour in the, the kiln room area. And on the floor, I wasn't going to buy a thing. I was just introducing, and, and they wanted, these, these folks, friends of mine, they wanted to buy some, some um, pottery. So we were actually selecting pieces. And on his floor by his kiln, this dusty bowl was collecting dust and kind of being, looked like it was being kicked around. And uh, I said to Bill, what's that doing there? He says, oh, um, it's just a piece sitting on the floor. I said, Bill, uh, so I'm like, can you, can you put that aside? I, I want to talk to you about that. I, I Actually, I'd like, to, I'd like to buy that. He looks at me and he says, he said, well, it's not for just a minute. It's just, you know, I've had it here for years. I said, why? He said, I've had it out so many times that no one ever bought it over like a decade or 15, 20 years. So now it's just something that hangs around in the studio collecting dust. I said, I think it's your most warmest, your most beautiful piece you've ever done in your life. He says, yeah, I think so too. I said, no, I think it's one of the most beautiful, exquisite pieces you've ever, ever done. He said, yeah, I've always felt that. There it is sitting by the kiln that could any time someone just kick it over and knock it over. That's So I said, here, yours. <laughs> it's a gift. That's a gift from Bill. Years and years he put it out, is what he told me. Put it out. People look at it. Just, but they, they like the really, you know, the really dynamic, bright colors with all the crystals and forming. This one's subtle. You know, it looks like a beautiful piece of jade, eh? like a carved um, bowl of, of jade. The crystals are very, very fine. Very, very beautiful. Yeah. So, like art, too, uh, that which is seen as ugly in 1920s can be worth a million dollars in the 1990s. What is it? You know how people go gaga over Picasso? I don't. Sorry, I, there's hardly a Picasso I like at all. I confess it, right? But there'll be a piece of art I'll walk into a gallery, uh, known or unknown painter, don't even know who they are, it's sitting at the end of a, of a gallery, and I'll just go, oh my goodness. It's it's just transporting. It's 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 tra tra of a transcendental quality. Other people walk by and go, hmm. like this, you see? so what is what is what is uh, this uh, experience that we're having right now? But it's so ingrained. Everything is so ingrained at every level, as a story, as a as a um, feeling of reality, that we have lost the wonder as a child of like, well, wow. Look what we could do with this tent. This could be a university. Oh, get off it, you see? Or uh, we could have a, a nature studies program here, which I've asked for for many years, yes? But no, it's a retreat center. You, you see? Nothing in the universe is fixed in terms of idea or place. It can all be uh, utilized by mind. So however the mind is, is imprinted, that is the way the universe appears to it. Did you follow? 
This is so important. Right now, this is not being taught. This is, this is Mahayana basic teaching for minds to bring them to a place where they can start to practice. The fear of God. It's very Christian, isn't it? Catholic? Is this Catholic? This is called, this would be called um, teaching. This is how it's taught to the general public. So you've got farmers and goat herders and so on uh, listening to this, and monastics. This is, and, put, and not just putting the fear, you are suffering. But it's right, actually. But the view of, of how you see the world and how that's shaped is not taught yet. Okay? You have to get to the point where you're going to practice. So this is, this is getting a person to actually practice. Enter the, so I, I hope you realize that. This first section is not about uh, you now studying with a Dharma teacher. This first section is to get you off your rump and realize how much suffering is in store for you if you don't enter into the path of Dharma and study. Do you, do you understand where this is coming from? This is, this is a, a complete path of liberation starting at the beginning, which is someone going, why, why should I practice? Why don't I just accumulate more wealth? Why don't I... Sounds like a nice plane. Why don't we buy that plane and we could fly about and, you know, I could be flying every day when the weather's good and... Do you see why... Like, I sometimes ask people, not facetiously, but for real, why are you here? Wouldn't it be easier if you were just in front of your television set? Wouldn't you like it if you could watch movies all day? I found a YouTube site where, when I downloaded those videos for you, it said, click this button. And I went, I, I thought it was, you know, how tricky they are. It has, you, you put the ULR on the strip, and then it says download. So I push download. Then that doesn't work. That just loads the frame image in there. And then over here, in big letters, it says download now. So you put, press download. It takes you to another site, which is you can download an infinite number of movies. I'm very kind. So you could go that. The actual download for that video is over. It's a smaller box, but this big. And it's on that side. So you do that, and then, it, and then you can pick which kind of um, downloading you want. But in this site, why would you be here when you could just watch movie after movie after movie after movie? Or you could be in a cafe right now instead of being here this summer. You could be over in Vancouver, Victoria, sitting in the cafe for three or four hours and maybe then die in the evening. And um, like, what do you paint? You know, what, what are you doing here? This takes tremendous maturity. This takes tremendous merit and strength to want to spend seven weeks studying uh, with a lama and meditating uh, because you want freedom. So where we're talking about right now is people that don't even recognize this is worthwhile doing. Are you, are you following? It's like, you're in hell. You're in a living hell, and you don't know it. And then people meditating, they're in a living hell, but don't know it, but they're closer because the bodhicitta is stronger. It's drawing them to be free. Even if they're living in a godlike realm like the Western, this Western society, with health care and, and welfare and all these kinds of social systems, uh, they at least want out. They want freedom, freedom of mind. Beautiful. Does that answer your question? Yeah. It's not easy. You need to spend the time to do the retreat work. 
uh, to come to a profound experiences of the apparition-like appearances of, of mind, um, self, uh, body, uh, emotions, states of mind, and all that you see before you as arising uh, as a product of consciousness. So a tent pole, an aluminum tent pole. Are these aluminum? Probably steel. Whatever they're made of. That's a, that's, a, that's, a, that's a name too. Could be titanium. Could be dilithium crystals. So for one person who's, uh, who's uh, a Star Trekkie, yes? Every, everything that looks like a dilithium crystal in Star is those are dilithium crystals, in fact. Other person, no, I think it's an aluminum. It's wrapped around steel. You know, steel. Other person, it's a flaming pole. It's freezing cold. I wouldn't want to go near that. Is it? All, all products of mind. Like right now, some of you cold a bit? bit cool? Change your consciousness and you'd be warm. Some of you in the room warm. Some of you are warm. Some of you are cool. But actually a little bit of yoga, maybe run around the, go out here, you'd be coming back going, God, it's going to be really warm here. What's that? There is no cold. There is no hot. I had a grade uh, six teacher. His name was Mr. Conacher. He was actually the brother of a very famous Canadian um, hockey player. I think it was Dave Conacher. Uh, anyways, when it was got hot in, um, you probably relate to this, in, in June in school, sitting there and the kids are like, yeah, you're fidgety, you're hot, you're sweaty. And you say, listen, that's all you have to do. Sit still and don't move. And you won't even feel the heat. Very really interesting teacher, right? Eh? He was an amazing teacher, by the way. This guy, this guy was not a normal teacher. I tell you, I, I never, never forget him. And he said, if you sit perfectly still and you don't move, of course he's getting you not to squirm in your seats because it's like, can we go now? You'll feel cool. He's right. Just don't even move. Just stay perfectly still. All of a sudden, that feeling of heat vanishes. So for one person, the temperature is a living hell. For another person, it's absolutely comfortable. So, so again, Milarepa, what would be the year? 1089 maybe, something like this? He's come from an entire winter living nude in a cave in the Himalayas. Winter. Snow maybe up to here. Yes? He doesn't have any clothes left. He's now coming from to collect alms for the next retreat he's going to do. And he comes into a town, nude, or with a little tiny uh, uh, cotton cloth around his waist, or his, his, his secret, secret parts. And he's singing songs to collect alms, you know? I'm a yogi, and I'm living in the mountains. I'm free of suffering. I'm joyous. He's singing these beautiful songs. He had a beautiful voice. And by the time he collects his alms and leaves the town, there's people actually following him up in the mountains, going, I want to be like you. So what was life like? If, that, if, if that's attractive, what was like, life like? I want to come with you because I want to get out of the hell. And here's a guy with no clothes. And what would happen today? Imagine. Right? 
Guy comes walking into Va downtown Vancouver nude. Yeah, singing, Look at me, I live in Stanley Park. I'm a yogi in bliss. Total freedom. I eat berries. I, don't know, I eat, I eat uh, nettles. Yeah? I live off nettles and a little bit of alms. Look at me, come with me, and we will sing the songs of joy and liberation. <laughs> don't worry. Come on with us. You're coming to one of those homes or we could take you for a, for a psychiatric assessment, correct? Mm -hmm. Yeah. Well, look at that. People would actually follow him out, out of town. Young people, older people, farmers, mothers, they just go, that's it. This guy's, this, guy's, this guy's got something I want, which is bright, clear, beautiful, free. Free mind. Okay. Is that sufficiently cover your question? Any others? Yes. There's a sort of um, a swooning kind of tiredness and consciousness that comes sometimes in meditation. Is that room? Yeah. Yeah. That can be. That can be. Um, Oh, combinations of all kinds. Of, I don't. I don't always attribute completely to the womb. This is, but um, there are there are swoons that are to do primarily with swoons that happen in the womb, the blanking out, the um, um, chemical washes that happen, uh, even the swoon that can happen at, at birth. Um, uh, so yes, but tempered with uh, all kinds of conditioning and. And possibilities on that too. It can also do partly with the food you eat now. It can do with uh, temperature. But but when it happens on a regular basis at a certain time of the day, that's a good indication. Just for instance, you know, at nine thirty in the morning or at um, seven o'clock at night, and literally you keel over because you're just so tired. And there's no there's no it's a biorhythm that's just in there, in there, in there. And the thing to do then is you need to be able to uh, sit with it. And just go through it. Keep going through it until it wears itself out. You just sit with it with awareness. And when you fall over and you're lying on the floor, like this, you just bring yourself back up and you sit through it. And you just let the system wear itself through that, that particular map. Can you stay with it? Like if, if, if I'm sitting and that happens, I stand and then it clears a bit. Yeah, but you should... You're not really working through it. You're not working through it. You just keep... And that's mostly what we do is we avoid that uncomfortable state by altering the posture, by altering something having a cup of tea, or, and, and, and then you, you don't liberate it, you just change it. That's mostly what we do, we just keep changing things. We just, we just change the channel. But to actually be free, you stay in it. Because when you develop that strength, when it comes to the hosts of Mara, the psychotic episodes of, of a million troops uh, sticking spears in you, or... Uh, uh, well, I won't go on. But the most horrific and sexual and everything else of unimaginable portions, uh, you're going to need that kind of strength to be able to sit uh, and not be moved. So, so as, the, as the strength gets uh, stronger, some of these states can get stronger too, but you can handle them. So normally what we do is we just flinch them off and go, oh, I'm, I'm, I'm tired now. I think I'll just go have a cup of tea or I'll have a cup of coffee. Or uh, I'll just sit outside, or maybe I'll, I'll, I'll go for a walk now. But you're, what you're doing is you're avoiding the, the, um, the printout 
that comes on a, on a, on a biorhythmic basis that if you were to stay with it day after day after day after day after day after day and never know how, how long, it can be weeks, it can be days, it can be months. Some stuff doesn't clear for years. Uh, you just have to keep coming back at it. And then one day you just go, oh, it's not there anymore. I had one where I said, every, every morning at 9.45 in retreat, for four weeks, five, five weeks, six weeks, I'd fall over. I'd conk right out. I just hit that pocket and I just pull myself back up. And <laughs> Literally, just fall right over. Just fall right over. Just have to pull myself back up. Just go through. Boom. Every same, same time. Every morning. Every morning. Just go through it. Come out the other side, and then just watch the watch it clear out the side. But don't do anything about it. You just watch it and stay bright and clear and watch as phenomena without stories. And not clear. No shift, but it, you never know. It can be days, it can be weeks, it can be months, and you just you just keep at it. Yes. I'm just wondering um, what you what you think about uh, children who are born to mothers who, while the mother is pregnant with the child, is perhaps working at a checkout. Mm. The belly is level with the scanning machine, mm. and all day long mm. they're bleep bleep. I'm just wondering, like, what sort of programming is that? Oh, likely when they meditate, they'll get this uh, light coming over them. Blip, blip, blip. They'll probably have memories of scanners and all kinds of things. But no, this is, you know, it, it also could be a woman working in the um, in in a in a field somewhere. And what's that like? Or uh, a woman um, in a factory who's pregnant, or you know, who who knows? Or vacuum cleaning. Because she's uh, uh, she cleans houses or or uh, hotel rooms, and mm, lasers aren't dangerous. They're nice. That's nice. I like lasers. What with that, uh, I like lasers. Are kind of nice. That's cool. So you know, it's, that's that's not really the problem. The problem is actually the state of the mother. Okay. It's the quality of the state of the mother's feeling that's secreting the uh, various um, uh, chemical washes in the feel for the baby. And I think if the mother's very strong that way and in a good state, then the baby will too, if the mother is in a, in a difficult state around this. Of course that will affect. Uh, that's, the, that's the nature of the diciness of being born into the human realm. So it's more of an, of an influence from the inner... Yeah, unless it's really serious. Yeah, I mean a scanner, yeah, all day, sure. You probably will have, if the person's very, very quiet and they are a, a deep meditator, it will affect their lives, for sure. No doubt about it. But they'll get a, probably something like a light coming over them or, you know, what's that, what's that, and, you know, what's that? Something like that, a little glow or what's that? And that laser doesn't penetrate that far anyway. As a, as a uh, red light laser, doesn't go very deep. If it was a, you know, certain frequency going through the skin, maybe. but It's pretty innocuous. It's not, not too bad. As a matter of fact, I don't... Sometimes those like LEDs. You know, you know what an LED is? They're lasers, by the way. Just so you know, LEDs are are semiconducting lasers, light-emitting diodes. So, how about how about being in a how about being in a room that's with fluorescent lights? So, no. So that's 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 a view of what a laser is, or microwave, microwave oven. My God, what would happen if a baby's in a kitchen where there's a microwave oven? Well, you know what's more dangerous? 
is the hair dryer and the toaster. It gives off way more radio frequency or an old cathode ray television or computer monitor. That would be more concerned about. Or a cell phone, uh, which, which, which will be shown to have um, some um, problems with them, for sure. Over heavy use of cell phones, for sure. No doubt about it. It's there, but it's... But it's um... You know, the whole thing about life is very dicey. only takes one stray cosmic ray or a little touch of radio frequency in the wrong way, and the genes can't handle it or the body doesn't handle it. And, you know, is it later on some, some other day? You get people working in nuclear reactors that live till, you know, around nuclear reactors get high dose or, or cause radiation. Till 90. Actually, low doses of radiation have been shown. This, this, this material has been covered up. But low doses of radiation, such as in Hiroshima, actually led to uh, some very, very healthy people. So uh, it's very hard to understand this. What, any radiation of any type is unknown. Nobody knows. You just simply know. Chemical exposure, you just don't know how the body can handle it. One person handles it very well. other person is sick for the rest of their life by just minor exposure. So, it is dicey being human. And here's the other thing. Just remember, this is, this, is, this is my view. I'm giving you my view, okay? So, nobody comes out of a womb unscathed. And I'll tell you why. It's too hard to make a human brain. Right. And it's too hard to make human physiology perfect. It's not going to ever happen. Do you understand what I mean? It's just maybe one in 20 million, one in 30 million, one in 100 million are basically really well put together. But for most of us, there's going to be brain, uh, brain organizational deficiencies. There's going to be hormones that didn't get turned on at the right time. They were a day late. They were a day early. They were a week late. Do you know what I mean? It's just the way it is. There's birds flying around right now that aren't going to live because of something developmentally goes, they're going to go into a tree. I've seen that. Or they're going to drop in the sky dead. Or they can't handle infections. Or, or they don't know what to do around food very well. Or they get outcompeted, right? Or that one second, that, or one millisecond they have to turn their head and move they get picked off by a Merlin. Do you understand? It's too hard to make such a complex uh, structure. Perfect. They're not perfect. None of us are perfect that way. There's no such thing as being perfect. You just have to work with what you have. But mind, mind in its natural aspect is utterly perfect. That's that's the base. That's the base. So there's been some very, very great saints that did not have perfect bodies. As a matter of fact, troublesome bodies. Like my dear root teacher, Namjur Rinpoche, right? Troublesome bodies. Don't give, make for an easy uh, life, but mind made for an extraordinary life. Did you say? Made for extraordinary life. Extraordinary life. Everything got transformed. Everything used. Everything transformed. Became rich. Rich, 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 rich. Yeah. 
that which is difficult gets turned into wondrous. Why? Because it is. It's, there's, there's no end to the wonder um, of the creations of the universe. But boy, if you, don't, if you don't know what they are, it's bewildering. It's absolutely bewildering. More important, the mother at the checkout counter is in a good state. And she's in a loving state. And she wants to have a baby. And she's earning money to feed it. And this sort of thing. Much better than all that other stuff. Because she could be working in an office on the 18th floor in a sealed building with fluorescent lights and a phone's going off and high levels of stress all day long and maybe coming home and fighting with her partner every single evening, yeah? Or going out for supper, stressed out of her mind, not getting very good sleep, and, and having a more difficult time than the lady at the jack counter who's uh, scanning um, vegetables and um, cereal all day. Who knows? Or maybe pregnant on some fishing boat. Or in a, in a lineup for collecting garbage, something like that. Or trying to get a little bit of food. Or trying to walk uh, three or four kilometers to get some water. Pregnant and, and sad and unhappy. Or in a war-torn area. area, area. It's, 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 it's hell. It can be hell. The absolute hell. Any others? I think that's all I can I can stay for a little bit, see anybody if they want to see me personally. Great. This I hope uplifts you actually, not to depress you. It should make you deeply compassionate about the human and all uh, creatures being reborn, bewildered, because they don't know mind. This is the fundamental thing. This is why in the text it teaches wisdom. If you don't know the nature of mind and how all appearances and experiences happen to you, it is, can be a very rough ride. But if you do, it's okay. Your body falls apart. Life, you age. Hair falls out. How much hair do you have there, Greg? Come on, you're hiding with a hat. You should be deeply concerned at this point in your life. You might turn completely bald. Sign of virility or sign of non-virility? Which one is it in our society today? Which, what's the view? It's all these, all, these, all these views, eh? If you have a full head of hair, you're virile. You're youthful. You're virile. If you lose your hair, you're not. Others? Oh, yeah. Bald head. It means something. Goodness. Goodness. Join the club. By this precious uh, teaching of Dharma... May it lead to the cessation of sufferings, countless sufferings for countless beings. Idante punyakamang asawakiwang hotu, idante punyakamang asawakiwang hotu, idante punyakamang asawakiwang hotu. Sabesatasukhantu, may all beings be well and happy, so that all beings may become established in a continuity of freedom and to the realization of full Buddhahood, the perfect unity of wisdom and compassion for all beings, for all beings, for all beings.